0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So go ahead and if you will, go ahead and um, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. You know... You know, it, like I said, it's the Christmas season, so we always go through and, and we look at it and we go through what we call the Christmas story in the Bible and we read that. And what we have to remember that is, this, this is bigger than, than what we read, this, this little, section, these little section of scriptures that we read. This is bigger, this is something, what was happening here in Luke 2 was set in motion before the foundation of the world. And now it's coming to a fruition and and people can see it but look, the thing about it is the plan of God the plan God wasn't God wasn't needing to go in and get something done. He already had it done. He wasn't waiting to say well how am I going to fix this or what if it breaks? He already had the plan laid out. It's just the plan playing out for us. So let's go ahead over here and tonight the subject that I'm going to talk about is the peace of God. So, um, Luke chapter 2. Um, actually, I'm going to start in verse 4. So, verse 4 says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were they were there... Excuse me. Came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not; for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you: ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So, I read all that, but really the part we're going to focus on is kind of verses 8 through 15. But the reason that I read all that is because you have to understand what happened with the shepherds. That couldn't have been noise abroad if what happened in the beginning was not there. If Mary and Joseph had not obeyed, which I'm not teaching on, but you need to you need to understand what you believe. If Mary and Joseph had not obeyed and Jesus had not been born. But then there is... um what happens with the shepherd? The shepherd. So there, the angel comes and the angel gives a proclamation to the shepherds. And in this proclamation, the angel talks about peace. Most of the time when we think about peace, we think of the external factors that are happening. We think of, you know, there are wars, there's uh, storms, there are all these things. And we say there's just no peace. We think of what happens on the outside changing the way we feel on the inside or the way we're reacting on the inside and sometimes we'll even think of what we did to maybe break up peace you know like i was mean to that person that wasn't that it it, it disrupted the peace we'll think that our life is life is peaceful because everything's going well you know um i can pay all my bills my family's safe i'm safe i'm healthy everything's going well so things are peaceful or uh, it's not peaceful because I'm overwhelmed or bad things are happening, all oh, this is happening, so I'm not peaceful. But that's not the peace of God. The peace of God is different. The peace of God is internal and it works itself outward. The thing about it is when I was given descriptions of what we think peace is, the peace of God is Personal. There may be a war standing all around you, but the peace of God, the peace that he gives you, is the peace you have. I can't give you my peace. I may have the peace of God, but guess what? I can't give it to you. You have to have that peace for yourself. Now, the thing about it is, my peace may affect you. You may see, oh, wait a minute, that person's different. It's something about them that's different than everybody else. Everything else is going crazy, and they're affected by it, but the way they respond is different. That's, that's the peace of God. So what God has provided through Jesus Christ is to all people. It's not seasonal. It's not, uh, it's not any man-made tradition. It's independent of anything that we can do. It's not cultural, it's not political. I know nowadays that's what we think. We think, oh, if this political party has this and this, this person is there, we're gonna have peace. That's not gonna, no, peace is not gonna come through any man. If Peace is not gonna come through any man-made government. <clears throat> it's not racial and it's not hereditary. I think we have to understand that we think because our parents have peace, I should have peace. That's not how it is. Oh, well, I go to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church uh, most of the people that work, walk in the Word, why don't I have peace? Because peace is something you have to have. I like I said, it's not hereditary. I can't pass it out like that. So during this time of year, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And we look at this, and we read it, and it sounds so good. And we say, oh, wow, you know, the angels came, and they were praising God, and said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And we sing this, it's in the cartoons, it's all over the place. And then, December 27th, it's like, wait a minute, do we even read that? Is that even something that we, we thought about? One of the things that I was thinking as I was thinking about peace, it's like, okay, we have peace with God But is that peace that we have with God, that we say we have with God, is it just for the life that we're going to have? Or is it for the life now? Was God giving us peace through Jesus Christ just for our salvation in eternity? Or is it for this temporal time now? Is what Jesus did, is Jesus Christ enough? Is is he enough for my whole life? A lot of times we don't think about it that way. We think about it as... Everything is like it is, and I know that I I believe that I am saved, but I'm not letting my salvation bleed into every part of my life. I'm not having the peace that God has promised me because I don't realize that the peace is there for me. So, the intent of this teaching is to examine the peace of God that we can have through Jesus Christ. And the spiritual principle with this teaching is agreement. It's agreement. You're going to have to agree with the Word of God. I could almost sit down right now. And and that's it. You want peace, you've got to agree with God. So tonight I have three objectives. We're going to talk about who peace is available to versus who has peace. So we're going to talk about who it's available to versus who has peace. Then we're going to talk about how do I get peace. And then we'll talk about how do I maintain peace. So we're going to talk about who peace is available to versus who has peace. Then how do I get peace and how do I maintain peace. So the first thing is who peace is available to versus who has peace. So is peace just available to people over five, seven? You know, is there some caveat? Is there something that I have to, um, is, is is it not available to everybody? You know. Let's look at this. So we look over here in um, verse Luke 2. We'll read verses 10 through 16 one more time. And the, angel of, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which, which shall be to all people. Hmm, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So then we'll skip down to fourteen. It says Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, good will towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, and the Lord has made known unto us. So this peace, is it still available? Is it for everyone? It is for everyone, but if you notice in verse fifteen, the shepherd said, "Wait a minute! The what they told us. Let's go see about that. Let's go do something." So, although it's available to everyone, everyone doesn't have peace because there has to be some. You're going to have to do something. The peace is there, but you're going to have to accept the peace. So, what does peace mean? It means wholeness, completeness. It carries the connotation of well-being, harmony, and security. It's quietness of soul, freedom from worry, inner calm, and spiritual well-being. I'll say that again. It's wholeness, completeness. It carries the connotation of well-being, harmony, and security. Quietness of soul, freedom from worry, inner calm, and spiritual well-being. So if you notice, none of those things said it is, I'm having a great day. I'm not sick. All my bills are paid. Everything is fine. It it, it, it talks about things that are ne- not necessarily about what's going on externally, but what's going on internally. So you can see, when we think about, usually what we think about with peace, that's not the peace that God's talking about. What God is talking about is something different. When we look over here in verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And a lot of people will say, well, that's okay, peace towards everybody. What God is saying there, now what he has for everybody is his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This peace, though, that he's talking about here in verse 14, this is an offer of peace to those who know him and are involved in his kingdom. So it's not just like, oh, well, here you go. It's it's peace for anybody. You can do whatever you want to. If you look at the context of this scripture, it's not that the, the angel didn't just go start talking to the shepherds. Jesus was born. And then, guess what? That's when the angel went. Because it's his kingdom. God is doing things through his way. So you're not going to have the peace of God doing things outside of God's kingdom. So... The word peace, this peace is reserved for those who walk in a positive relationship with God. It's for those who are in proper position with God. It's those who believe God, who've accepted the gospel and live the gospel. That's what that peace is reserved for. So that's the difference between who peace is available to and who peace who has peace. And remember, the gospel is available for God to love the world. So everybody can have peace, it's just who accepts peace. Those who are evil, those who are outside of the will of God, those who do not believe, those who are not in positive relationship with God, those who are out of position, those people don't know peace. So you may see people and you say, well, their life looks really great, but they don't believe, they, they don't believe the gospel. They don't believe in it. They're agnostic. They, you know, whatever. And you, but what they have is not peace. It may look a certain way. Remember, peace is not external. Peace is internal. What they have is not peace. If you go over to Isaiah 59 and 8, I'm not going to turn there, but it says, the way of peace they do not, do not know. And this is talking about those who are not saved. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Wheresoever goeth therein shall not know peace. There is, without God, there is no peace. So, when you're outside the will of God, you're not going to have peace. So now you, you may start to wonder, may, that could be your problem. Maybe that is what's going on. Maybe... What I thought was agreement with God is not necessarily agreement to his word. It's just that I have said it's right. But I have not agreed with it. See, agreement, and we're going to talk about this a little later on, agreement is not necessarily just saying that it's right. Agreement is becoming in, is coming into unity with, harmony with. The thing about it is we can't think that we're going to have peace with God if we're working against God. So how are we working against God? Disobeying. That's just, that's just that simple. God tells you to do and you don't do. So therefore you're not going to have peace. God says do X, Y, and Z. You go do A, B, and C. And then you come in and you're wondering why, why, why am I always, why is my head so noisy? I'm hearing the word. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing everything. But it's still something that's missing. I cannot, I can't have any peace. And you may even say it, you know, you're like, I just don't, I can't figure it out. Everything around you looks good. You're around people who have peace. But you don't have peace. It's because you have not agreed with God. To be in a positive relationship with God, it has nothing to do with your social standard, or your social standing. I like this in Luke 2 because the shepherds, the shepherds were not like the the people you want to be around. You know, they were shepherds. They They hung out with sheep. Sheep don't smell good. They don't necessarily smell good. I mean, you don't, you didn't say like that wasn't like the top job to be a shepherd. So for... The angel to go to the shepherd. That's like, hmm, you know, wow. You know, nowadays I I look at things and it's so interesting as to how I don't want to say we, but how men think. We look at what we think God is doing and who we think God is working through. Yet they don't. They're 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 not godly. They're not showing any godly fruit yet we're like well well, because they look a certain way they have to be in right standing with god because they have a certain name or they have a certain name their father had a name so they have to be with god but what did i just say it's not hereditary it's not about what it looks like on the outside it's all about what's on the inside so don't don't start thinking that because maybe you don't have the same pedigree as somebody or maybe you did some things that you weren't supposed to do that you can't have peace with god that's not true Every look, all of us can't were in a place of no peace. And it's through Jesus Christ that we can have peace. So that's what we work that's where we're going. Because peace only comes through God. Once again, all of us needed a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. The first point of agreement is going to come there. You're going to have to agree with that, that you need a Savior. A lot of people, I was born in the church, I was raised in the church, da 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 So you don't think you need a Savior. You need a Savior. You, and, and, you know, I was, I was getting ready and I was, I was looking over my notes and I was thinking. And sometimes we think because we are saved, well, I'll use that word, we, we've, we've come in, we've believed on Jesus, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We think sometimes we get to the point where we don't necessarily need God. And we think that we can do... You know, we're doing it on on our own hands. And that's not how it is. Listen, you and I, we need God. There is nothing that you will do in your life that will be worth anything that you will do without God. Anything that you want to accomplish... Anything. uh, Wait, I'll go back. Anything that you want to succeed in. Now, if you want to fail, do it without God. If you want to make a mess of it, run on. But if you want, if if you're, you're you need God. Write that down. Put it on your screensaver. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it. Put it. I don't know. But just say I need God. The thing about it is there's nowhere... You don't have the power to do what you need to do. He is all-powerful. And that the thing about it is that's when we start to mess up. And I'm going down in my notes a little further than I need to. But that's when we start to mess up when we think we have the power to do it. But the first point of agreement is you're going to have to come to an agreement that you needed a Savior, that you need God. Jesus Christ is that Savior. So once you agree with that and you accept that, That's the difference between those who have the offer of peace and those who have peace. So, you know, it it talks about it. It says that we are translated from the kingdom of darkness and we're translated into the kingdom of God. There it is. There you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness where there is no peace to the kingdom of God where his peace reigns. And that's the agreement. First, you've got to agree that's where I have to start. And you know what, you don't stop just because you, okay, today you agree, you continue to agree with that. What we have to realize when we look at, uh, we call it the Christmas story. When we look at that, it's not just something that we read right now. This is something that has revolutionized our lives. It's, It's made us different. Now we can believe on Jesus Christ. Now we have that opportunity. So... We need to walk in that. So we have that first point of agreement of I needed a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. I agree with that. I repent. I turn towards Jesus. So that is, once again, the difference of those who have the peace available to them and the people who actually have peace. So how do I get peace? And I kind of alluded to this. To have peace, I must agree with God. In my notes, I have MUST in all caps. There is no, there's no wiggle room in that. There's no, I must agree with God except on odd months on the thirteenth day. No, I must agree with God all the time. In in this scripture that we're reading, the shepherds agree with what the angel said. So, I was looking at this because here's how we know the shepherds agree with it because they went and they did some stuff. They didn't say. Gosh, that is awesome. Did y'all see that angel? Then the other ones came and that was really, really nice. And sit down and start looking at the sheep. They said, wait a minute. What they said, that's that's different. I believe that. Now I'm going to go look. I'm going to go do something based on what I agree with. Now, the shepherd believed God because the angel was sent by God, the messenger of God. So, we can't. We have to agree with what God is telling us. So, we know, and maybe some of us, we know it, but we haven't agreed with it. We know how God works. God sends people to tell us things. He sends our pastor. He sends, sends ministers. Sometimes he just sends people to tell you his word. You can't just agree with it when it's favorable to you. You know, like, okay, let's say you, you're a shepherd. You put yourself in the position of these shepherds. Once you stop being afraid, you would be like, that was awesome. Let's go. But now just think about it. That was God's messenger bringing the word. So now when God comes in and tells you that you can't cheat on your taxes because that's wrong, guess what? That's still God's word. You still have to agree with that word. So what does it mean to agree with I can't cheat on my taxes? I can't cheat on my taxes. That means that if I am single, no children, I can't go claiming other people's children. I can't get a dog and try to give it a social security number. I can't do all of those things. and, And you know, you're like, well, no, no. I have to agree with God. God says it; He sends it to us. We have to agree with it. So, I have to agree with God, even if I don't like the way what His Word is, sent, is said to me. So, let's say let's let's look at this. Let's look at the the, the, uh, the angels here. So, let's say the uh, shepherd was like, "Oh, uh, you know what? I would have believed it, but I wish all the angels had come at the first time." It wasn't just one who talked, and then the rest of them. I needed all of them. And, and, and what about that one over there? I don't necessarily know if they said it the right way. And I think, that, I think the third one on the second row was a woman. I'm not sure. See, now when I say that, y'all start laughing, and y'all think, what, what is this still thinking about? I'm telling you, I'm making a, I guess. What is a hyperbole of what we do. I don't like the way so-and-so said that, so I ain't doing it. I don't like that it wasn't Pastor Hill teaching, it was so-and-so, so it can't be from God. I don't like that it was taught in the next-gen service and not a normal service. You know, that service is different. That, guess what? You still got to obey. You know what? You, you agree with God. God does not agree with you. So when God sends his messenger, and he sends his word, we have to agree with his word. Peace is about me surrendering my life to God. Peace is not about who I am, but it's about whose I am. So when I say that, people are like, yes, because I'm a child of God. The thing about it is when you surrender yourself to God, you are no longer your own. Remember, it, go back to agreement with God. He Now he's your Lord. You're, you are his. So guess what? You're not going off doing your own thing. You're not running around making decisions that are outside the will of God. Because guess what? You're agreeing with God. So peace is not an emotion. Peace is not being happy. It's not being uh, jovial, whatever you want to say. I was thinking about this and I, I wanted to give an example of how happiness can change so quickly. So just imagine... You know, you're you're going somewhere, and you go, and you stop, and you get your favorite drink. Like, I'm just going to use me, for example, because I know my favorite drink. So I, I stop, and I get this tea I like. It's a certain tea that I like. And not only do I have this favorite drink, I'm getting ready to drink my drink. I got my favorite outfit on, and I'm like, I'm happy. There's no traffic, and I'm going to Target. Yes, great. So I got my drink, and I'm drinking my drink, and all of a sudden, the drink spills all over my favorite shirt. Guess what? I'm not happy anymore. So that's, that's the emotion. That's, that's an emotion. An emotion can change just like this. That. You know, now the next thing somebody could give me a cuter blouse and I could get another bigger tee and now I'm happy again. Th- that's, that's not peace. That's not peace. Peace is not an emotion. But all your emotions will be filtered through whether you have peace or you don't have peace. So you take that same example that I gave you. A person with peace will be like, man, I'm not happy. Messed up my blouse. My, my drink is gone. I'm thirsty. Not cussing. Not acting a fool. You don't have peace, though. Internally, let me tell you, peace is, is like, n- no peace is like a storm in your, in your body, in your soul, in your spirit. And, you know, you think of a storm that's brewing. you got clouds moving all around. you got rain. you got wind. That's on the inside of you when, when you lack peace. So any little thing, you're ready to let that that storm go out. So that's why your emotions are like they are. So it could be the same thing. You're happy, so you just you're acting a whoa. But that's what I mean. Your emotions will be filtered through your peace or lack of peace, because it's what's inside of you is that's going to come out. So we surrender ourselves to God, and I can't surrender myself to God if I don't know who He is. I have to believe him. I can't believe what some I can't believe what I want him to be. I have to believe who he is. So I have to agree. So to agree, what does it mean? First of all, I have to be agreeing with something. So that means that I'm going to have to hear something. So when you think of these shepherds, they heard what the angel told them, the uh, glad tidings of great joy. They heard that. Then the shepherds were not Distracted When they heard it. They weren't playing on their phones. Had all these different things. They weren't over there trying to get the sheep corral. They were focused. They got an understanding of what they heard. And then they became one with it. So in order for us to agree with the word of God. You got to hear it. You got to understand it. And you got to become one with it. There has to be a union. And the thing about it is. You think about it. Peace. I am with God, and God is with me. It's not God is with me, and I'm with Him. He's not changing. So what I've got to do is I've got to go in, and here's God, and I'm just going to come into Him. And you know, when you come into God, He's not taking a whole bunch of the mess. Remember, you're going to surrender. That's how you know you are Him because you surrender surrendered yourself to Him. That's how you can have peace. So I have to believe that Jesus, that the the Son of God... Is who God says He is. That the Holy Spirit is who God says He is. That the Father is who He says He is. I can't be wishy washy about those things because I won't be able to be in agreement with it if I don't believe, if I don't understand it, if I don't believe it. So a lot of times, believers, we don't necessarily know what we believe. And that's how we can exchange our peace for no peace. Because we think that things are going to be a certain way. We do think peace is an emotion. We think peace is external. We think because things don't look the way that we think they should be. They're not going the way it's supposed to be going. It's not happening fast enough for us that that, that God's not working. That I can't have peace. No, God is saying no. I want you to have peace when everything is going wrong. Peace is like, if everything's going right, why do you need to have peace? Everything's going right. But God is saying, hey, in this earth, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. So guess what? God said, I'm going to keep you in that time. I'm going to give you my peace. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. So Isaiah chapter 9 and remember we have, to, we, we, have to, we have to hear some things we have to hear the word we have to understand the word then we have to agree with the word so Isaiah chapter 9 we're going to look at verses um, 6 through 7 for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So I'm looking at this, and and when we look at this, this is a prophecy of Jesus. So we're saying, okay, so for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And you're thinking, well, what does that have to do with peace, the peace of God? Well, you know, it goes, it's a prophecy of Jesus, and it goes into what we're reading over in Luke, and if you were to read the Gospels. But let's, let's examine this a little further, because the thing about it is, if you can trust God then guess what? You, you don't have a problem with your peace. So let, let's get into this. So verse 6, it says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So you're like, okay, a child is born, a son is given. But that has a great big significance. Listen, what we're, what's being said here, For unto us a child is born, this is talking about Jesus. A child is born is his humanity. A son is given is his deity. So go back think about John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we say begotten son of God, that means that he is God. So here's what happened. So Jesus is both God and man. So you start thinking about well, if he's God and man, why? You, you know, you, you start thinking about why does Jesus have to be both God and man? For us. Guess what? God didn't need a Savior, but we did. So Jesus put on flesh so that we could be saved. When you look at this also, it starts talking about, and his name shall be called. These are his characteristics. This is what you can think of. And like I said, if you can trust God, then you, you can have peace. So here it is. It says he's wonderful, marvelous, astonishing. I was I was reading. I know a lot of us are reading through the book of um, Luke this month. And I was reading about the miracles that Jesus did. And they were astonishing. And you're like, wow. So when you think about it, he's marvelous. He's astonishing. And then I started thinking about it even more. And I thought about what he's done in my life. How he's been marvelous. How he's astonished me. So he is wonderful. He is a counselor. He has the wisdom to rule justly. So here's the thing. We say that and it sounds so good, but then we got we to gotta bring that into our life. If Jesus is wonderful and he's a counselor, if he has the wisdom to rule justly, when the counsel of God comes to you, then you have to take the counsel of God. See, once again, we're talking about the peace of God. We're talking about how when you look at, when you look at this season and you look at the birth of Jesus, you realize that it was just more than this cute little story. It was just more than this little thing that we're talking about, you know, on all the little things and putting peace and all this stuff in your yard. It's much more than that. It's what, it's what we can live off of. So, He is counselor. He has the wisdom to rule justly. He's the mighty God. So I like this because he has the wisdom to rule justly, and then he has the power to execute his wise plan. You know what? I'm like, God, he's just like, i just like, okay, God, I'm just going to sit back because you have the power to execute your wise plan. He has the strength to go through with this undertaking. He's able to save to the uttermost. He, he, he's not looking for help. He, he can do what he needs to do. He's the everlasting Father. He's the source of eternity. He's the originator of time, I read at one point. So here's the thing that we get all messed up about. We get messed up about time. I tell you, if things aren't going the way we think, we're like, okay, God, all right. Things aren't going going the way I think they should go. Okay, I'm going to give you about ten days. In ten days, I'm sure things are going to turn around. But we're like, oh, and God's like, I'm the originator of time. You over there counting? And God's like, please. Then we see the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. He preserves peace. He commands peace. He creates peace in his kingdom. So remember, those who have peace are those in his kingdom. Outside of his kingdom, whatever. We talked about the wicked. They they don't know peace. There's no peace in their ways. So, Jesus, he preserves the peace. He commands peace. He creates peace. He is our peace. And it is his peace that keeps both the hearts of his people and rules us. So, his peace is what keeps us. Not only does it keep us, but it keeps us in line. We, We can count on his peace. When we're in him, when we're in his kingdom, he is the keeper of that peace. We don't have to go looking for other things to try to make it happen for ourselves. We can stay in his peace. So he's all these things. He's God. He's man. He's the God's son who was given to all people as a deliverer. He put on flesh and he dwelt among us. That always amazes me. I remember it, it's been probably 15 years um, Pastor Hill was teaching she was teaching about I can't even remember the exact subject but she used this example and she was talking about Jesus coming down putting on flesh and dwelling among us she was thinking, She said think of you as a person going in and becoming a roach and, I, and, and I'm telling you it's, it's been years and that, that example is still is still in my mind because you have to understand he is God and he put on flesh. He put on flesh and dwelt among us to bring us peace so that we could be with God. And that, you know, we think about this. What we've been hearing is there's, there's a breach between God's people and God's promises. But guess what? That breach can be made up through Jesus Christ. That's what he's done. He said, hey, you know what? They need a Savior. And you know what? They, they can't do it. So I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do what's necessary for them to be saved. Go over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. So, so, this is really not in my notes, but i'm I'm going to say this so um verse five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation and took on the form of a servant. Sometimes we get a little bit full of ourselves, and we think, maybe because things i don't know, whatever reason you're fool of yourself, I don't have time to go down that road. But, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. And, He is God. Yet, He was, He was, He humbled Himself. He took no, no thought of, of His own reputation. And sometimes we get a little bit, a bigger head, and we think that we, we're too big for that. We, we can't do that. They can't ask me to do that. And this is in all areas of your life. No. 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 You, you do what God says do. You do what God says do. If God says pick up trash, pick up trash. If God says deliver food, deliver food. Don't don't think that you're too big to do something. Don't think that anybody owes you anything. Because they don't. God is saying right here, you need to be like Jesus. So agree with this word and be like Jesus. Stop thinking that you're above something. Because a lot of times, I'm going to tell you, a lot of times people won't necessarily believe... Or they may believe what you say, but they won't remember what you say, but they'll remember what you do. And a lot of times, your humility will show forth a lot more. It'll preach the gospel bigger than all the words you can say, all the scripture you can spit out. So just remember that Jesus was humble. He He is God, yet he came in flesh and dwelt among us. So you don't have no right to think that you're bigger than you are. So Jesus came in the likeness of man. He was like us. Notice it said likeness of man. He had flesh, but he was still God. But he was not like us because he couldn't sin. He, You know, think of the craziest thing, the thoughts you had if you were like, Oh God, I'm sorry about that. Jesus never did that. Because he is God, he can't sin. Because of this, because Jesus came, he's, he's our savior. He bridged that gap. He made where there was no way, he made a way. We were outside of God. We could not get back to God. And Jesus said, let, let, let me go. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to dwell among them. I'm going to pay the debt that they can't pay. So guess what? That's another point of agreement. I have to agree that the debt that I owed, I could not pay. And Jesus paid it. So I have to trust that He paid that. I can't keep going around trying to pay a debt that Jesus has paid. I have to live in what Jesus has done. Go over to um, Hebrews chapter 4. So we don't have to try to fix what was broken. Now, we need to realize it was broken. The relationship was broken. We broke it. But it's through Jesus Christ that it can now be fixed. So, Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we... We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Jesus is our high priest. He is there at the right hand of the Father making intercession. He's there advocating for us. He is there being our, um, I just lost my word, but He's there advocating for us. He's there pleading our case. And the thing about it is, He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What that means is He knows what it's like to be a person. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be sleepy. He knows what it's like for people to to die. All of those things. And, and that's why he's such a great high priest. But guess what? He's a high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest had to make sacrifice for themselves. And they had to make sacrifice for the people. But guess what? Jesus had to make no sacrifice for himself. So he's there on our behalf. So, the, the thing about it, is what Jesus did was for us. He saved us. He didn't need saving. And you think about it now, remember what we said. He's the wonderful, He's counselor, mighty God. He's there on our behalf. So, now we can go boldly to the throne of grace. And what does it say here? I'm, I'm going to make sure I read it right. So, let us come, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. A lot of times our peace, what we think is our peace or, or what's messing us up is that we need something. Or we think that there's something going wrong and we want to we want to get it right. Well, guess right there? It just told us, go boldly before the throne of grace guess what? That's where the resolution is. It's not outside of that. And the thing about it is the way has been made. You don't have to worry about trying to get there. God has already given you the avenue to go there. So the reason that you are not getting the resolution or you're not getting the answer that you need, or maybe, maybe you're getting the answer that you need, you just don't want to agree with it. Now God will, will, will make sure you hear the word. If you ask Him for understanding, He'll give you understanding, but you are going to have to agree with it. You're not, you're not going to be able to just say, well God, thank you for all that information, but I'm not going to do it. What you said, that's disobedience. So don't, don't think that you're going to come in, you're going to get the word and then not work the word. The peace comes in when you agree with the word of God. So a lot of times, instead of doing what we need to do in verse six, in verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We decide we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it the way we think we need to do it, and we're just going to put God's name on it. And that's not what's, what's going to happen. That's not That's not how you're going to stay in peace. You're going to have to continue to agree with God. When you agree with God, so, so here's the thing right here. So you're looking at this and you're saying, well, well what does this have to do with, what is, what is Jesus being the high priest, being my advocate at the right hand of the Father, what does that have to do with me agreeing with God? So, I am in harmony, I agree with, I am in unity with God. I believe that he sent his son to save me. So therefore, when I go to God, when I pray, when I go and I ask him for something, God not, is not seeing necessarily me, he's seeing Christ. So he's, he, Christ, I am in Christ, remember, in his kingdom. So you're saying, well how does that, well how does that work towards my peace? God has everything for us. But he doesn't have everything for us outside of his son. So you have to understand, you have to understand where you are and where you need to be. So when you are in disagreement with the word, when you are disobeying, you are outside of the will of God. So guess what? The peace and the answer is in Jesus. But, okay, so here in Jesus. But if I'm over here, I'm not getting that. So I need to get back in line. So everything I need is right there. So it may seem like I'm pulling things from all over the place, but I'm not. What I want you to see is I want you to see what you believe. You have to understand what you believe. Now, maybe maybe some of these things are getting clearer to you, but... What has to, what you have to do is you have to agree with God. This is, this is where the agreement comes in. This is when you have to say, well, you know, I, I didn't, I never saw it that way, God. I never thought that me being disobedient or me getting outside of your will just for a minute could stop me from being in Christ and He can't advocate for me if I'm not in Him. And then now I'm not, I don't have peace. Well, there it is. So guess what? You've got to get in Christ. That means you've got to repent. You've got to agree with God. When you agree with God, then you can hold fast to your profession because you trust Him. See, he, He's told you everything that He's going to do. He's told you who He is. There's no one greater than Him. So the, so if there's no one greater than Him. He's told you what He's going to do. He, Jesus is advocating for you. What do you have to fear? What do you have to worry about? I didn't say be concerned about. There, you need to be concerned about things. You need to take care of your business. But worry is a whole different thing. Worry, worry um, let me think of a good word. Worry uh, takes all of your mind. That's, it takes up a lot of space. So when you're worried about something... You don't have the ability to put in what you need. So just think about, you know, think about a cup, like this cup of water I have here. If I fill it to the top, that's like worry. I can't put anything else in there. So now my mind is constantly thinking about what I'm worried about. Or even if I'm not thinking about it, I'm preoccupied with it. It's still holding its place and it's popping in. I'm distracted by it. I can't have that worry the worry shouldn't be there because guess what? If worry's there, God can't, I can't hear God. I can't, I can't trust in God because I, I don't have him in my mind. I'm letting the worry push, push it out and that's causing me to have turmoil and chaos in my life. So when I realize that, wait a minute, I believe that I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm in agreement with his word. So he's advocating on my behalf. He's the prince of peace. He's the everlasting father. Wait a minute, I don't necessarily have to worry about that. Now, internally, everything changes because I realize that I trust in something greater than the situation that's in my life. So, that's how we can hold fast to our profession. But how do we maintain our peace? So, like right now, you're here and you're like, yeah, that's great, I have peace, that's, that's good. But, you need to have peace all the time. It's not, it's not like I just want peace sometimes, you know, like I'll have it every other day or you know, oh, you know, I just need it. You need to maintain your peace because remember, also if you don't, if, okay, if you have, you don't have peace, go back to that worry, go back to that chaos, go back to that turmoil. God can't use you if, if you have all that going on. He, he needs to be able to speak to you. He needs you to all, remember we learned about being prepared. You always need to be prepared. He needs to be able to be able to call on you in a moment's notice. And if you've got all that mess going on in your life, he can't. So you not only do you need peace, but you need to maintain your peace. So there's always this issue of timing. So like if you read over in Isaiah when we, what we were looking at, we were looking at a prophecy of Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't come for years and years and years and years later. And then some of that prophecy is not going to be fulfilled until his second coming. So there's a time. There's always this time. There's this time between God gives us the promise and us actually getting to the promise. So what we have to understand that his timing is perfect. Remember, he has the counsel, he has the wisdom, and he has the power to bring it to pass. So his timing is perfect. He doesn't need our help to improve upon that timing. But what do we need to do to get from the point that we think that God should act and the point that we actually see what He's done that comes to fruition. And I say the point that we think that he should act, because like I said, you know, like we, 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 we hear the word, we know, hey, yeah, I can wait, God, I can wait a day. Oh, wait. Did you say it was thirty six hours, God? I could do th- oh, but forty two? No. We need to maintain God maintain peace so that we can continue throughout this. So go over to Isaiah chapter 26. So how do we maintain peace? How do I maintain peace? Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord. Forever. How long? Forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So, I'm gonna read it again. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. I just trust in God. That's how I maintain my peace. I continue to trust in what I started trusting in. I don't get outside of that. The availability of peace, once you experience God's peace, as a believer, you can continue to trust him because he's firm like a rock. He's solid. And you believe that. The thing about it is as you continue, as you maintain your peace, you'll continue to grow in the things of God. Because you'll see how God is moving in your life. So, what happens is, one thing happens. So, so here it is. So, you say, okay, I want to have peace. So, you agree with God, and you have peace. And you continue to agree with God. You continue to agree with His Word. You obey His Word. You stay in His will. Something comes up that could disturb your peace. But guess what? You continue to agree with God. You continue to agree with God. So, guess what? Now you're maintaining your peace. The thing about it is, there will be things that come up. That try to take the peace away, that try to disturb the peace, but you don't have to give it up. The thing about it is, all you have to do—and I know it—all you have to do is easier said than done. Trust ye in the Lord, because He's going to keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Him. So what I've got to do is I've got to make sure—and it goes back to that agreement. I've got to remember what God said, and I've got to stay aligned with what He's saying. Remember, go back to those shepherds. They just did not sit there and say what those uh, what the angels said was great. They aligned themselves with it. They went and they saw. They acted on what they heard. So to maintain my peace, I have to continue to act on what I've heard. I can't just sit there and be in wonder and amazement of it. I have to continue. I have to trust God. I have to trust God even when I don't understand what's going on. Even if I don't understand God's methods or what he's doing or how he's doing it. And let me tell you, from experience, don't try to understand how God's doing something. You don't have to worry about that. You know, like, I don't understand how my car works. And truthfully, I don't want to know. I just want to know that when I get ready to drive it, I can drive it. Think about it. For for whatever you don't like to want to to know how it works, that's, that's how God. You don't have to know the inner workings. Because God is doing what He's doing, you're you're looking at a thing. When we look at something, we're looking at one thing, and maybe not even a whole thing. We're looking at a speck, and God is seeing all of it. And we don't. And, and, and we're finite; He's infinite. We don't have to worry about all that. All we do need to do is trust Him. Over in Isaiah chapter seven, it talks about the. Uh, excuse me, uh, Isaiah chapter nine. We won't go back over there, but it talks about His government. And the government shall be on his shoulder. You know what? We don't have to help God. It didn't say the government is going to be on his shoulder and yours and yours and yours. A lot of times we want, we, we have peace with God. We get it. But then we want to help God out and that's how we lose our peace. A lot of times really we give our peace away. Because we want to do things our way. God is saying, here it is, stay right here, here's where the peace is. But we say, well, God, I am seeing something and I don't necessarily think the way you are, what you're telling me to do, I don't necessarily need to do that. So I'm going to do something else. And then you wonder why your peace is off. You gave your peace away. You traded in the peace of God for your limited understanding and your limited knowledge. So to maintain my peace, I can't assume that I know anything. (laughs) I've got to trust God. Remember, we agree with God. He doesn't agree with us. So you know a lot, once again, go back and check. You know, it's a lot of things going on in the world right now and and things are going on and you're wondering, you know, how is it that some people, they, they are affected by it, but they don't seem to be shaken. They don't seem to be moved. They seem to be able to continue to focus and continue to move on, but I'm not necessarily one of those people. Go back and check. Go back and check. Have you you come out? Have you disagreed with God somewhere? And when I say disagreed with God, that's an easy way of saying have I been disobedient. Have I not obeyed what God has told me to to do? Am I dragging my feet? You know, over there in uh, Luke, it says the shepherds made haste. They didn't say, "Oh, wait a minute, let me feel my thermo stuff. Let me make sure this is happening, do all this stuff. Let's wait till the morning so we can see the light." No, they' made hate, and they went. A lot of times we don't we we have this I'm almost out of time, but I'm going to say this. We have this false sense or this religious sense of agreeing with God. What will happen is you'll hear the word, and you'll say, "Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to do that later." Yeah, yeah, um God, yeah yeah um yeah i know that you said that this is what i should be doing but oh oh here's a good one i know that you said that you know i need to be given in every area of the ministry um so you know but pastor's conversation, that's almost over i just wait till january but wh- when did god say it did he say it in january we ain't made it to january he didn't well he said it last january so you've been disobedient this whole time actually jan a few January's ago So you're dragging your feet, because you really don't want to disagree with God, but you don't want to... Wait, you do want to disagree with God, but you want to cover it up and make it pretty. You want to make the trash nice. It's still trash. But then you look and you wonder why you don't have peace. You wonder why you can't... Here's the thing, you can't necessarily get revelation because your mind and your spirit is, so, is in so much turmoil, you don't understand what's going on. You hear things preached, you hear things taught, and you're like, is 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 this even what why are they teaching on this? This don't even because there's no peace. You 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 need to go back. You need to check are you agreeing with God? God is saying, you know, you got to agree with me. I'm not move- God is God. He's not moving. So, yeah, there may have been a time in your life where you had peace with God. But guess what? You decided there was something that was more important than peace, and you disagreed. You disobeyed, and you got out of that. And you haven't made it right yet. And God is saying, no, you got to come back, and you got to keep that. You've got to continue to trust me. And when we say trust, what it means? It means rely on. Remember earlier I said we all need God. We rely on Him. We trust Him. We agree with Him. He says do this and that's what we do. So we have to stay in alignment with God. God doesn't answer to us. We answer to Him. Just because you don't see, it doesn't look like God is doing something, doesn't mean He's not working. You know, um, I think about the things that are going on in the ministry and the things that we were talking about and, and, and what, what churches live in water, what God has planned for us. And a lot of people think because we're not meeting like we used to, that God doesn't have that plan anymore. A lot of people think that because we're not meeting like we used to, God has put that plan on pause. But God has not. Let me tell you, God has not. In fact, God is already working. The plan is being worked out. Just cause you don't see it doesn't mean that God's not doing what he said he was going to do. So here's the thing. You, here, did you not trust God? Did you think God didn't know it was going to be a pandemic? Did you think God was like, whoa, COVID-19? No, God knew all of this. So now whatever, whenever it was, you were, you were straight. You were good. And now all of a sudden you can't, you can't necessarily figure out what's going on. And everything's hazy. Everything's messed up. And somehow you disagreed with God. So now your peace is off. And you got confusion in your mind. Go back. You have to maintain that peace. We throw away our peace when we get outside the boundaries that God has set for us when we decide we're going to do something else when God tells us God tells us to live the gospel, preach the gospel, He didn't say, "Go in and try to make people be like you." He said, "This is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to live." but a lot of times we try to change people, we try to make them we even if they're wrong, even if they need they need to be saved. And people need to be saved, but guess what? You're, you're not gonna just beat them, browbeat them down. And a lot of times, and that, maybe they don't need to be saved, maybe it's just somebody you want them to do what you want them to do. Like you, let's say it's somebody in your family, you want them to move to a specific city. And you talking and you, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. And they're like, no, I'm not doing it. And now you, are, you you've lost your peace because you want to be their God. See, you don't think of it like that. But you lost your peace because you acted outside the boundaries. So what we have to do to maintain our peace is just trust God. He's made it that simple for us. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net you. Mm-hmm.